Welcome to the sending space. Um, now we're going to get into talking about the three spaces of what we see sort of shaping the life or the rhythms of our communities together. Um, and those three spaces are uh, public space, social space, and sacred space. So those are the three spaces that we see shaping uh, the life of our gospel communities together. So Ryan, help us understand, like, what do these three spaces do for us? So for me, I'm, I'm very conceptual, and it's a lot easier to think about the purpose of something when I have, um, I don't know, like an image in mind. And so when we're talking about the public space, the social space, and the sacred space, these are like real physical spheres of, of, um, of where we live, and, and there are kind of real boundaries to them. Like the public space is where you work and play every day, uh, and there are kind of no boundaries to it other than the people that are in your sphere of that you just walk, come in contact with. Social space is people that you've, you know, intentionally spent time with, had dinner and meals with, invited people into your home, into your group, your gospel community. And so the boundary is not everyone that you've met in your public space has been invited into your social space. Uh, and the sacred space is that not everyone in your sacred or your social space um, has expressed interest in Jesus or spent time in a smaller group talking about Jesus, reading the Bible, praying together. So they're, they're, they're bound. Um, each of these kind of groups, these spaces are bound by a, some sort of invitation. Uh, but what's, but what's easy is for me to understand like the purpose of these is to think about in our public space that it, that represents the the others all of the people that uh, may or may not know Jesus long for Jesus want Jesus may not be living according to anything Jesus says or maybe they maybe they do but it's like pretty much everybody and then the the social space really represents the one another's it's the people who have uh intentionally built relationships with us and are generally on pursuit to following Jesus. That may not be true of everybody who comes to your social space. In fact, we hope that it's not, but it certainly is the starting place of relationship and the one another, the identifying with other people. And then the sacred space is, is a continuation of the deeper loving of one another, like the brotherhood and sisterhood that exists when you um, want to know more about Jesus. But it also really is the space where we focus on our love of God. So the reality is each of these spaces represents one of those really key rings. And, and, and the idea of the rings is that it's God's, that the, the balance is critical in these things, that to be someone who has the heart of God, at all times there needs to be this, this growing in our love for him, our love for those who believe and our love for, uh, those who are yet, yet to believe, um, and those who don't know him. And, and it constantly is, is pushing us to, to not fall asleep in any one of those directions. And the spaces, uh, that are bound by invitation, I think those spaces are a way for us to look at our life. Uh, it's a, it's a tool to just look at our life and go, okay, there are a lot of people in my public space and those are the others and they haven't come into my home or I haven't invited them into my life or I haven't had conversations with them. Why? Why not? You know, is it purely logistical? Like I haven't asked or, um, I don't, 
there isn't a time to do it or I don't know how it would be done or is it um, because you don't think that they'll belong or, you know, but it's a good tool to like look at people and go, these are the others in my life because uh, you, you live, you don't even have to try to live among others and you do. So the question is, how do you love others? And I think gospel community is a tool that not only helps to perpetuate our love for others, uh, in just the dialogue and the support, but also it is a reminder constantly that we are around others all the time. And so then the same would be true of the social space and the sacred spaces, that there are these, these kind of somewhat bounded sets uh, where we get, to, um, we get to see how our love is doing in these circles and spheres uh, and categories. You know, I think one of the important things to kind of say with, with when we talk about rings and spheres and all that is to say we're not trying to impose some kind of like structure on things to say um do this do this do this it's more a way of describing ways that we kind of already gather and uh things that already exist in our life and and for me it becomes a diagnostic tool we can look at what are we doing where am i focusing my attention and what might i be missing because we we just go through our day we we do what we do uh and if we don't take the time to sit down and diagnostically look at Okay, what am I missing? What God? What is God calling me to? What am I missing here? Who am um, I missing? Who am I? And that's that's exactly right. It's who am I missing? Yeah. Um, and uh, and so that these tools become for me a great way to kind of think through like what's what's missing and all that. Right. Totally. So one one of the um, key passages that we're looking at here, there, there's a couple. One is in Genesis 12, and this is where God calls Abraham and uh, calls Abraham to Himself to follow Him calls him away from his people um, and into the promised land. Um, and basically, he, he says, I'm going to bless you, um, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. From that, we get this concept of it, it is God like choosing Abraham and God blessing Abraham. And there's this um, great relationship that Abraham gets with God. But inherent in the entire thing is God saying, why am I choosing you? Why am I calling you? It's because I want to bless the entire world, and I'm choosing to do it through you. Um, and I think that concept stays central throughout the rest of Scripture, where we are saying we have been called by God, uh, chosen. We get to spend this, have this relationship with Him. Why? The point of it is not just so that we can be with God, although that's huge. It's to say we're we're called with a mission. Like the the calling comes with a mission. Um, the relationship with God comes with a sharing of God's love as well, and it sends us outward. Yeah, and what I like about when we're having a conversation about what it looks like to live in the public space, uh, so what Mark is saying is absolutely true. We inherently are intended to live in the world that we live in, in the groups of people that we live in. We're intended to do that in such a way where people are pointed back to the glory and the love of God. And, and so... The, qu- the thing about the public space is it is the space that literally you have to do nothing um, in order to be a part of it. In order to be a part of social space, an invite has to come. The public space exists everywhere you go, every minute of the day. You literally just have to leave your house to be a part of the public space. And since most of you do, um, since most of us don't live our lives in our own homes all the time, um, there is a public space. And even nowadays, even if you can't leave your house um, because of physical ailments, um, social networks, phone, television, text, everyone you're communicating with is part of 
your public space. And so the reality is, is very few of us live in absolute isolation. And so the question we have to get to is, if we are going to be a blessing to the world, as Israel was supposed to be a blessing to the world, um, and as Jesus has called us to in the Great Commission um, to make disciples, what does it look like to love the people in the public space spaces that we're already in? And that what that requires is not an invite, but it does require a new set of eyes, um, a, a way that our heart uh, sees and doesn't pass over the people that are already all around us. And that's, that's hard. That's not an easy thing to do, but it does help to frame what the nature of mission in the public space looks like. It looks like participation in, every, in, in, in school events, participation in you know, club events, participation, I mean, even going shopping with friends at the mall or being around people. Uh, there's always an opportunity. There's not one way to love people. There's so many ways to love people. But the hurdle is the hurdle of like the Good Samaritan where we're prone to be busy and walk right by the people that are all around us. And so to live in the public space is to, um, I think of also when Jesus says that he looks upon the people of Israel as uh, with compassion as a sheep without a shepherd. It is to be moved by the lives of the people that are already all around us. And, um, you know, if I'm honest about what, what the biggest hurdle to this kind of living aware and present in the public spaces for me, it's just that I find myself being, uh, busy, distracted, tired, and not really looking to engage the people that are around me. Um, sometimes I feel shy. Sometimes I feel uh, like I'm just worried and concerned about other things. Um, sometimes I just pick up my phone the minute that something's silent and I'll read an article or listen to a podcast or scroll through my email or look at Instagram and do something other than be present in the place that I'm at. And I think those little things are things that hinder us from, from blessing people and loving people. Um, it's not as hard to love people as I, as I think. Um, it doesn't take more time to love people uh, necessarily. I mean, sometimes there's a conversation, but it's it's like being present and being aware in the situations that you're already in. And I think for me that, that means like it's like a loosening of agenda or maybe a reinterpreting of it. Like, it, you know, I am sitting here at this park because my daughter is playing soccer, you know, or I'm I'm here at the store to pick up whatever. And that's true. But while I'm watching my daughter play soccer, there's also human beings that are around me. And if I could ask the question of, um, what does God think about these people? You know, what's God's heart for them? Um, I might be more prone to put down my phone or whatever yeah. and, uh, and, just, and just have a conversation. Well, and I think it's even easier than that. So, like, I think in my mind, for a long time, being trained in the church and in seminary and evangelism and through Campus Crusade and InterVarsity and, like, what does it look like to make disciples, um, a lot of times I would think about how do I make conversations spiritual? Uh, how do I tell, find ways to tell people about Jesus? And, um, there's nothing that, there's nothing wrong necessarily with that, but I would often find it 
uh, I would be frustrated and not know how to really do that or maybe force conversations to be awkward when they didn't need to be. And so I'd stop doing it because it was awkward and weird. And I think since then I've had a major change in heart in terms of what a win in the public space is. Uh, a win in the public space is someone genuinely feeling uh, like you love them or are interested in them or care about them. And the number one way that I do that is I don't, you know, bake everybody brownies or write little notes to people or, you know, give shoulder rubs or anything. I, the way that I love people is I, I just am intrigued by their lives and I ask them questions about them. I ask them questions about their kids or their family or their jobs or their workplaces or their passions or the things that they're excited about. And I listen and occasionally they'll stumble into something that's serious. You know, um, their mother's sick, their, their wife just found out that she may have cancer or, uh, their, their kid isn't doing well in school and one of their kids is being bullied or something. And the minute you stumble upon something serious, most people will just skirt right over it and they won't, they won't uh, know what to say and they won't ask further questions and they won't, you know, love the person in the moment. We're all used to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have found the best way to love people is to just like inquire of what's going on in their lives and then to sit with them and to pray for them if appropriate. It's not always appropriate, but often it is in just the midst of, of, of life. And it doesn't require anything extra of me than just, asking some questions and, you know, yeah. being caring. Well, and some, and some people are the note writers and the brownie makers and all that. And mm-hmm. I think, I think the point is, uh, it's not requiring you to do, to be someone other than who you are. Yeah. And, and so the question is just what, how could I, sh- how could I bless or show love to this person right now? Yeah. And, uh, and however you would naturally do that is probably a pretty good, like starting, starting point. Totally. Cause I, I totally resonate with that idea of, um, feeling the pressure to turn the conversation to this, to a spiritual direction, or, you know, you, you look at the people around you and you think, okay, how am I going to lead them to the Lord or something like that? And, um, and I just think that's sort of culturally in Christianity over the years, we've sort of built this weird concept around, um, what it means to evangelize or something. And as if the goal is like, I've got to, got to make a convert here. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, it, it is big and scary if your goal is to go from, hi, my name is whatever, to um, praying the prayer with them and getting them to like, but, but if the goal is just like, hey, I want to, I, I just want to love you, I want to bless you, I want to befriend you, then uh, the timeline is totally different. Um, it, you're, you're stepping away from things that are unnatural and just moving into what is natural. Mm-hmm. And you're, and I think you're trusting God more. You're just trusting, okay, God has made me how he's made me. Um, I'm going to, I, what I'm going to offer this person is my love and my friendship. And, uh, and we're, we'll see what God does with that. But, um, but it's just sort of offering yourself up and laying aside an agenda and talking points in the sales pitch. Yeah, exactly. If your goal to love people is to genuinely get to know them better and to understand them and to see through their eyes, then what you know is like, then the objectives of living in the public spaces, as I talk to somebody in conversation, I hope that by the end of that conversation, not only do they have, like, do they feel positive about our interaction, but that it would lend towards 
another positive interaction, which may mean just the next time you're sitting next to him on the soccer bench next week while you're waiting for your kids, uh, which would maybe lead to another deeper conversation two weeks from now or three weeks from now. And, and eventually, as you're getting to know people, um, the win of the public space is that you've engaged people enough to where you can invite them into a social space, a, a, a place where that's where the level of intimacy in a relationship just gets like it just totally changes when when you've cared for somebody enough, you've gotten to know them enough to where it seems natural to say, hey, you want to grab coffee outside of this place we tend to bump into each other? Or if you have work friends and you're like, hey, instead of us taking our lunch break separately, let's take let's go grab lunch together. Or, um, hey, I'd love to get to know your wife and kids. Why don't you guys come over to our house for dinner? That immediately communicates uh, something about love and acceptance. Um, and so when we talk about social space, especially in the terms of gospel community, a lot of times we tend to think of the things we've planned to do um, as the social spaces. So, for example, for our group, um, the first Sunday night of every month is when we do our social spaces as a gospel community. And that is the place where we are inviting people throughout the month um, or thinking about people we'd invite throughout the month. Sometimes there's new people, sometimes there's not. But when I'm talking about social space here as the concept, I'm not just talking about that one planned time in the week that you guys decided to play bunko um, or that you had a dinner. I'm talking about the fact that your social sphere exists when you invite someone into your life. And, and when it's appropriate, you can invite someone into your gospel community social space. But don't think that you're not winning or that there's no success if you're just inviting a family one-on-one out to get in and out after a football game that you hadn't spent social time with before. That's a huge win because those people now get to know you more and you get to know them. And it is just a very natural way to deepen both of your affections for one another and your appreciation for who these people are and what their, what their story is. And, and, and it just starts to feel a whole lot more natural, you know, in that sense. So if I try to take it back to the rings, um, I think what we're kind of saying is if you find yourself to where you're spending time with the Lord, worshiping God, reading the Bible, that kind of thing in church, and you have time where you're with other Christians and having meaningful connections there and everything, that's great. You've got two of the circles down. But if you find that, that there is no one new that you're getting to know, that you, you're not the kind of person that is ever befriending somebody, talking to somebody, um, it doesn't mean you have to become an extrovert or something like that. But it's saying, okay, th- my, my love is out of balance here. There are other people um, that... that I will be better as a human being if I am loving those people. They will feel the love of God if if they... Now, some of it is that we can we supplement each other in this ways, and some of us are better at loving um, people that we already know and all that kind of stuff. But, but we all have this call to say, okay, God's put me where he's put me. Nobody else is in the, the exact spots that I am with the exact you know personality, makeup, and whatever that I am. And so it's just using those circles to say, um, how do I how do I integrate this love even more? Bring it back together. Bring these three rings closer to each other, to where I am loving God, loving other people, and then loving loving you know one another, but the the others as well, the people that I don't yet know, and um, and and that's just always something to kind of keep in mind. Yeah, totally. And I think when you talk about 
that we are blessed to be a blessing. Uh, You know, I have found that when people are really known, when when I really get to know people, um, it immediately takes away all of the, um, almost all the negative ideas that they have about Christians and faith and uh, it doesn't. It doesn't take. It doesn't take all of their misconceptions of Christianity away, but it does give them a data point of something that isn't cons- con- isn't consistent with their misunderstanding of Christianity. On this side of it, I know that people misunderstand Christianity all the time, but for them, they think they see Christianity, and when you are more interested in them than you are about some agenda when you are genuinely like engaged in who they are and inviting them into their life. I just very, I very quickly see, um, these, these walls that have been built up, um, almost immediately just come down because when people are loved and cared for and feel like they belong and are known, they just, uh, they begin to read your words the way that you intend them to be heard. And, and they're all seasoned with grace and, and a lot of, there's a lot of, um, openness that begins to happen that would not otherwise happen if they weren't first understood and listened to and cared about. And, um, you know, and, and so we think people are hostile to the gospel, but I don't think they are as much. I think they're hostile to, the world's depiction of Christianity. And, and so when we love people well in the public space, we just take away all of the fodder. Um, we give them a, a different, a counterpoint to their narrative. Um, and I think that's how we are a blessing to the world in a lot of ways. Um, and so this is just a very tangible way to do that. That's really good. I, there's that phrase, like the people love Jesus, but they hate Christians or something. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of it is, there's a distaste to Christians when we gather and we stand for a cause and stand opposed to the culture and stuff like that. But, uh, but if we, if we were better at not just all standing in this opposition sort of way together as a united thing, but just befriending human beings, it's, it's a lot harder to hate an individual person if you can just stand there. And I, I've had this thought before too, of like, how can I, how can I, um, make this person feel comfortable and not like, make them not feel like I have an agenda when I'm talking to them. I think the, the way you do that is you actually drop the agenda. It's not like trying to hide the fact that I'm trying to show them Jesus. It's, it's just saying like, okay, I, I don't have some big game plan for this human being. I just, I, I can love them right now in this way. I can right. find out what makes them interesting, what makes them worth knowing and trusting that, that God, God doesn't make people who aren't interesting. God doesn't make people who aren't worth knowing. And, uh, it's never going to be a one-way street of, I'm choosing now to bless you. It's saying that right. by entering into a relationship with you, I'm also going to experience the love of God because the love of God is flowing through that person towards me as well. Right, totally. And I might say it just a little differently. Like we have, we do have an agenda, but when our agenda is to love these people, um, that is an agenda that they are okay with. Like that's, that's what they, if you said, I want you to come to our house because I value you and I want to get to know you and your family. 
that is 100% the truth and it is an agenda that they're down for. If you said, I want you to come into my house so that I can invite you to my social space, so that I can get you to come to my sacred space, so that I can get you to meet Jesus, that feels like a major agenda. And that is a major agenda. And so to your point, Mark, that's when we drop that agenda. That's not the point. The point is you love people well in each space and the Holy Spirit helps to bridge the gap. Yeah, we have to sow the seed and the seed for us often is the question or the invite, I think. Just like Jesus, the seed that he sowed, we think about this a lot. A lot of times we think of the seed that Jesus sowed as being the gospel. That is true, it is. But what was the thing that he did the most when he was sowing the gospel? He would ask a question. Join me, follow me, come with me. And that was the seed. And people either said yes or no. And so if we stop thinking that the seed that we're sowing has to be the proclamation of Jesus in terms of dying for our sins on the cross, in the, you know, there will be opportunity to share that. But really, I think the, the, seed, the, the seed of the gospel is join me. Like, are you willing to go? Like, I'm loving you. I'm demonstrating that I care about you. Come with me. And uh, I want to get to know you more. I want you to be a part of this community. And, and they can at any point reject it. And at any point, I mean, I've had so many people that I've gotten to know where I've gotten the clear, the clear feedback from them, which is like, okay, this was enough for me. Like, I'm glad we yeah. get to know each other, but I don't, I don't want to come to your house for dinner right now. Or, you know, like yeah. that was, that's too intimate and that's fine. And, and there, when you're actually genuinely caring about people, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't feel awkward or weird, but I definitely get the sense that they're saying no. Um, but it also is a way to shake the dust off your feet and go to the next person and say, all right, well, someone here is, uh, is longing for community and longing to be loved and known. And, and, um, and it's just amazing what God can do. Um, and has done, I think for, for Katie and I personally in this last year, we've seen so many just crazy things and it really has begun with just seeing the people in our public spaces differently. That's so good. I, I think, you know, just maybe a clarification too, is just to say, it, it's not about uh, uh, taking Jesus out of anything. Mm-hmm. It's just saying, it's just saying, I, Jesus is a real part of my life. I find so much life in Jesus. There's not a person that I encounter that I don't believe Jesus could give life to them as well. Right. Um, but it, but it's, it is different than saying, I need to... Uh, manufacture a relationship for this person. It's saying, I'm going to invite them in my life. At some point, that's going to involve seeing how Jesus of gives course. me life. How could they, yeah, how, as you get more intimate with people, how could they know you if they don't know Jesus, if he's that big, big of a part of your life, you know? Um, but, but what's best is when they start asking you. And that's what's been, cra- I think, remarkable for Katie and I over this last year is there's some families that, like, we've ended up going on vacations with or, having late night dinners and they'll hang out later into the night. And then they start asking, I mean, they know I'm a pastor or they'll have learned that I'm a pastor. And then they want to know, why are you doing that? What is that? Why, you know? And so when you start doing that, then it's like, they're asking, you know, um, because it's the natural thing to reciprocate in a relationship. Um, and so anyway, and that, and that, that works equally well if you, you know, if it turns out you go to church or you're part mm-hmm. of a Christian group exactly. or something like that the question for us is just saying like, where is that public space in our lives? You're already there. So just think through, where are you? Uh, taking stock of that, being aware of where, what, what, and mainly who is around you and just saying, how, how am I going to start a conversation or two? How am I going to engage where I feel the Lord prompting me to engage and just utilize the public space as a thing that, um, that God's going to use. 
So I think the point for us from all this is just saying, where is my public space? And asking, okay, when I see, when I'm, you're already there, you're already in these places. So just saying, who do I see there? And what does it look like? And, And probably a great way to test and see if you have this public space sphere kind of in order is to say, I'm going to write out a list of 10 names of people that I'm actively praying for. Um, and if you can't come up with the names, it means that you, you're you in the public space, but you're not uh, you're not aware in that space. And so who are you befriending? Um, it's not a problem if you can't come up with 10 names. It's just saying, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be looking for those people. I'm going to think through those faces, and I'm going to begin actively praying for those people and just see what God does for you.